Welcome to the Just Grace It podcast with Brian and Rex. just leave this. Welcome to the Just Grace It podcast with Brian and Becky Ross. He's the pastor and my hubby. She's the horse girl and my wife. And we're coming to you from our home in the Midwest, Refuge Farm. Join us as we discuss how to apply God's grace to marriage, family, life, and ministry in, in the, the Just, Just Grace It podcast. podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Just Grace It podcast with Brian and Becky. Um, I apologize. I am a little stuffy in my... I got... So they all went back to school the last, what, three weeks now? Two weeks of school. Two weeks. And I'm the one that ends up getting a cold. So the last few days I've been sounding like this. So... I apologize if I sneeze. I apologize if I have to blow my nose, step away and blow my nose. I'll try to spare you that noise, but yeah. It's Labor Day 2022 today. Mm-hmm. And um, despite Becky being a little bit under the weather, we figured if we didn't take advantage of the time we had today to record, we might not find option opportunity later in the week. So Yeah, August has been very, very busy. Yeah. We've had a lot going on, so um the major work on our house is done though. Yeah. There's a few small odds and ends that still are gonna need to be finished, but that's good. Yeah. So we no longer have our rotten deck that we is dangerous to probably even walk on. Right. I was talking to a friend on the phone yesterday and I was telling her about the project and how when they pulled out the support beams of the old deck, how they were rotten. <laughs> we were like, okay, well. I mean, we knew it was in bad shape. We just didn't know how bad it was until they kind of got into it. Right. So. Right. But now we have a nice, new, safe deck. Yep. And it looks really good. Looks good. And we've been out there a lot enjoying it and... Yeah, weather permitting. Yeah. So last time we talked about how emotions lie. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, am I wait, jumping wait, the gun? Wait, wait. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so I have a fun thing to that I wanted to share with everyone because I talk about it so much on the podcast. So um last week our rescue horse faith um, so I will have had her for two years at the end of this month. And, um, oh, please don't sneeze. Okay. Um, so I will have had her for two years at the end of this month, at the end of September. I think I got her like, it was either September 29th or September 30th of 2020. Um, and, most of you regular listeners know that um, my journey with her has been quite up and down and she did not have a lot of training when she came to me and we've had to work through a lot of things and are still working through a lot of things. But the really awesome thing was um, she was able to have her first vet check with me um so since I've owned her it's her first vet check I'm sure previous owners at some point had a vet check her out but I have no clue how you know how when that all happened um and the reason that I didn't do it sooner is because with horses who have some of the issues that Faith has had um, you don't want to just do things to them and having a vet come and examine them and, and all, it can be like really traumatic for a horse that's already traumatized. Um, so 
I wanted to wait until she was super comfortable, unless, of course, she had an emergency, which she did not. Um, I wanted to wait until she was super comfortable with people touching her and having different people touching her. And, you know, we had had some time in with a trainer before um, I had the vet come out. So long story short, not only did she have her first basic exam last week, but she was able to get her vaccinations done. And she did amazing. Like she didn't jump. She didn't flinch. She just she did really well. She did really well with the basic exam. And then because she was doing so well, we also were able to get her teeth floated. And for those who don't know what that means, it, horses, um, they can, their teeth can grow, horses teeth grow and they can get like really sharp points and that can cause issues with um, just pain in their mouth. Um, it can cause issues with um, them being able to absorb the nutrients of their food. Um, and so it's important every so often to have their teeth filed. And so she was able to have that done and she did really, she did, I was so impressed with how she did. She did amazing. So yeah, that's, I know you had a lot of anxiety about that and I'm glad that it went. Yeah. Well, well I wasn't well. even, when we had the appointment, I wasn't even planning that she was going to have her teeth done. I was planning that Cassie would have her teeth done and then she was doing, Faith was doing so well that we just, the vet's like, let's just do it. She's She had checked her teeth and she's like, she has some really sharp points in here. She'll be way more comfortable if, you know, we do this. And I'm like, okay, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and yeah. she, she, she did great, so. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that because I know a lot of people kind of follow that story that I have with her, so. But, like you were saying a couple minutes ago, um, we our last episode was on um, Emotions Lie. That was the title of it. And we've been going through the book Lifetime Guarantee, Making Your Christian Life Work and What to Do When It Doesn't by Bill Gillum. And um, this is a book that we've gone through with our small group at church. And um, we kind of just thought it was such good information that we wanted to share it on the podcast because it's really helped us out a lot as we not only live out our Christian lives as individuals, but in our family and our marriage and just um, even like advice we give people, excuse me, when they come to us and, you know, have issues and stuff, um, you know, it, it's really affected that. So we're going to continue with going through that. And um, If I'm not mistaken, we're starting Chapter 2 today, yes, right? Yes, we're starting Chapter 2, so I need to pull out my notes and not have them be upside down. Cause... You can't read upside down? No. Oh. So, um, come on. Dogs are in here, and I'm being inundated with a wet tongue. They love. They love. They just lick, man. It's ridiculous. They lick his leg hair. It's whatever. Now anyway. we've grossed everyone out. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So we are doing chapter two of the book, and what is chapter two titled? How you got into your fix. So. We've been talking about the flesh. We've been talking about what the flesh is. We've been talking about how emotions play a role in that. We've been talking about your thinker, which is your mind, as he says in the book, your feeler, which are your emotions. And how does that all come into play when we're struggling with a flesh issue? Um, so in chapter two, he is talking about how did we get into this situation? And um, he starts off the chapter, and I'm just going to read this quote. It says, how can a new creation in Christ act like Satan himself is controlling him or her? 
The Bible calls it walking after the flesh. So there's several verses in scripture that talk about, especially in Paul's epistles, that talk about walking after the flesh. Well, first of all, there's the verse there from 2 Corinthians 5 about being a new creature. And yeah. so he poses the question, um, you know, how exactly is can it be the case? So he's talking about 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So he's saying if, if it's true, and I and it is, that the believer is a new creature in Christ, how exactly is it then that he can still, he or she can still walk around as though they're like, you know, the spawn of the adversary, so to speak. Right. Um, and that's versus walking in the spirit. And um, he uses Galatians five sixteen and 25 and Ephesians 2, 2. Galatians five sixteen. This I say, then walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Yep. And then Ephesians two two. Let me grab it. And I put one of the things that I just put in my notes is for Ephesians 2 2 is when walking after the flesh we are following the old man's course so the Bible also talks about your flesh one of the names that it has for the flesh is your old man so Ephesians 2 2 wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience mm -hmm. so even as a believer we still have a will we have a, a, a mind and a will, and we still can... So he calls the will the chooser. Right. So your chooser, so your mind is your thinker, your emotions are your feeler, and your will is your chooser. And with your will, you can now choose whether or not you're going to walk according to that course of the world or if you're going to walk according to walk after the Spirit. Um, and so sometimes as believers, we choose to go back and follow after the course of the world we still do things based on our flesh that would be ephesians four seventeen. this i say therefore in testifying the lord that ye walk that ye henceforth not walk as other gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of god through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart so he so there, so there's a lot in there. You're you as a believer, you're not blind anymore. No. You're not walking around in darkness anymore. You don't have a blind heart anymore. Your understanding is not darkened anymore. You know some things now because you're a new creature, and the Holy Spirit, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your heart. Right. Galatians, crying, Abba, Father, and hopefully you're. Um, putting God's word in your heart, um, you know, and as you do that, you're renewing your mind. And the more you renew your mind with God's word, the more you're able to not follow after the flesh, but follow, you know, not walk after the flesh, but walk after the spirit, walk, you know, walk in the spirit, not walk so in the flesh, walk in the in spirit. In Ephesians 4, it's perfectly capable. A believer is able, even though they are a new creature, to walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, but we should not do that right. as believers. Right. So the practical application of this, and I thought this was really good in the chapter, um, and just seeing, like, I'm kind of... When I'm writing these notes to share in the podcast, I'm sort of paraphrasing some things. I'm trying to break some things down and put it in simpler terms so that as you're listening, you know, if you don't have the book in front of you, um, you know, and you're listening, you can, it's easier hopefully to understand. Um, and then also like one of the critiques we got just from our small group is that sometimes the way that he writes is a little complicated in certain areas, in some areas it is, and in some areas it, I don't think that it, it's that bad. But 
So I'm just trying to break it down to make it a little bit easier. So practical application of what we were just talking about. Um, he poses some questions here. So do you know what the flesh is, number one? Um, and, and he defines the flesh as getting your needs, any way that you get your needs met apart from Christ. Yep. So... You know, we all have a basic need to be loved, accepted, um, you know, love. I think probably love and acceptance are very deep needs of human beings. And, you know, any ways that we're seeking to get those needs met that are apart from Christ, that's the flesh. That's walking in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um and then number two, what is your unique version or versions of flesh, i.e. ways that you attempt to get your needs met apart from Christ? So what he's recommending in, the, in chapter two is that you actually take some time to sit down and be introspective and list out some things that you, you know, I think For me, I don't know how it is for you, but I think for me, like, there are some things that I right away know that I struggle with. You know what I mean? Like, I know that I struggle with um, people-pleasing, and sometimes my people-pleasing tendencies, you know, um, I don't do that in a healthy way, you know? Right. Um, So that's something for me that I know that, you know, that's a flesh thing for me. Um, but then I think there's other things that sometimes you don't even realize that that's the flesh or you don't realize that you're trying to perform. You know, you don't realize that your motive for doing something is to perform for another person or to perform for the Lord in order to get love and acceptance. Um you know, sometimes there's just overt sin and initially you may not realize that you got caught up in something until, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts you (laughs) and then you realize, you know, so having a time where you just sit down and are introspective of yourself and what is it that you struggle with, I think is a really important thing to do. And I think in this day and age, people get so busy with life and distractions and you know things like that that we don't often sit down and just think about it like what what is it that i'm struggling with what what is not working in my life and why well uh, so i would say there's two things first of all the course of the world is designed to get you to sort of be swept away with it without really thinking about the fact what's happening yeah and second, in the back of the book on page 249, he has what he calls a flesh inventory to kind of help you think through, you know, some of these kinds of things. Right. Um, and what what some of your flesh patterns might be. So can you read, there's tons of them, so we don't aren't going to read them all, but can you just like read some examples? Um, so place a number zero to 10 where 10 is greater besides these traits, which you struggle with. So they're all listed out alphabetically. So anger, anxiety, argumentative, uh, astrology, horoscopes, bigotry, bitterness, boastful, bossy, causing dissension, conceited, controlled by emotions, controlled by peer pressure, covetous, critical tongue, deceitfulness, depression, dominance, drug dependency, drunkenness, envy, depressed at the good fortune of others, false modesty, fear, feelings of helplessness or weakness. And then he goes all the way down to being a withdrawn workaholic warrior and all self-righteous, self-reliant, self-pity, self-hatred, self-indulged, self-justified, slow to forgive, slow to forgive, lust, so, so there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch in there. And again, I that I think it's a good list because, you know, even in that work, that list in Galatians 5, I pointed this out in the last episode that Paul gets done with the list and he goes, and then he says, and such like. Right. So there's more, 
works of the flesh than are explicitly enumerated in Galatians 5. Right. And if you want the list, we like we talked about in the last episode, emotions lie, some other passages of scripture that list what the flesh, if you're operating in the flesh, this is what scripture says this looks like. There's more than just the Galatians 5 passage, so you can go back and listen to that. Um, and then number three question. So this is still in practical application. Like how do you, we, we, you can't change something that you're not aware of. And if you're not willing to be introspective, nothing's going to, it's not going to change. It's just going to keep going. Right. You know, you can't, you can't change something that you don't label as, okay, that's a problem. You know, this is an area where I am walking in the flesh. So number three, is there something that happened to you as a child or a teenager that started you on this path? So is there a specific situation, instance, circumstance, trauma, you know, whatever, that kind of you could pinpoint as the starting point? You know, when did I start feeling this way? So again, this is going to take a lot of like introspection. Or acting this way or coping with life this way. Exactly, right. And then number four, what mistakes are you making with your own children or spouse or relationships? Um, that is a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. You know, because now it's not just about you. Now it's about, okay, what might I be doing to the people that I love in my life? you know, in my agenda to get my needs met and I'm walking in the flesh, what, how am I maybe hurting others? You know, my children, how am I, you know, what parenting strategies am I using that maybe are not the greatest? Um, or how am I relating to my spouse that is not healthy or loving to them or, you know, any other relationships? I mean, it can be friendships, siblings extended family and relationships with other members of the body of christ because let's face it as much as we would like to say that you know our church relationships are all perfect we all know that's not true right unfortunately right so then he goes on and he talks about righteousness what is it and how do we get there and he, on page 36, he says that he talks about two viewpoints of righteousness. Viewpoint number one is righteous works, which is behavior. Viewpoint number two is righteous identity, which is your state of being. Um, and then I have in my notes some verses and then to read the quote on page 36 and 37 about dead works. So hang on one second. So you want me to do that? Um, let me see. I gotta think, figure out where I was at here with this. Um, well, he says, it's my conviction that most Christians think only of righteous performance or holy behavior when they think of righteousness. Which I think that's true. The religious mind of man, probably that's true. And they don't think about it as far as their righteous identity. Right. State of being. That is your, what my friend Sarah calls your pretty flesh. Your, your righteous flesh. Well, I can, you know, I'm, I'm good here. I help people. I love people. I give to the church. I serve at church. I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I. <laughs> um, and then the passages that he talks about. Okay, here's what I wanted to read. Is using this definition of righteousness then, it means that God declares a person accepted and right with him. The tragedy is that most people who have been declared all right by God continue to strive to generate their own declaration of being all right. The Bible refers to this as dead works. That's such a great example. Like, you know, people have this identity, but because of their flesh and their own ability to try to take care of things on their own, they strive to work righteousness and to work 
you know, to make God happy with them and to not, you know, let Christ work in them and through them. Right. And that's what he's going to talk about is it's not you all by yourself. It's Christ, Christ's life in you, working in you. You know, Ephesians 2.10 talks about we're his workmanship. You know, um, I'm not going to quote it right. I have... For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, you know, unto good works, which God hath before ordained right. that we should walk. So there in. is a behavior. There is an action. There is, there is, there is a performance, if you will. But it's doing that through Christ's life working in you, not you just trying to do it on your own and be as good as you can possibly be, you know, to get your needs met. Um so I have some passages here, Romans 4, 9 through 13. You don't have to read all of that if you don't want to, but what it, was it? it just, it, Romans 4, 9 through 13. There's just some passages here about how our righteous identity, our state of being as a believer comes through faith. It is not of our works. <clears throat> Come at this blessedness then upon the circumcision only. Or upon the uncircumcision also, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of the circumcision, the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he yet had being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. So it was his faith that came first that was counted to him for righteousness, not not the act of circumcision. Right. So there was that one, and then Galatians 3, 6 through 9. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. And then Second Corinthians 5.21 that talks about how it's Christ's work, not ours. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. I love that verse because we are literally, because of Christ's work on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, we can literally be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Like, that is our identity. Right. It, it is our identity. It is not us doing things that makes us righteous. It is putting our faith in what Christ did. Yes. It and is then allowing him to live his life through us. The believer. Yes. So, okay, so then as we go along here, it's not our own righteousness deeds by law keeping. Our, it's not our own righteous deeds by law keeping. So last time, I don't want to get too into this because we talked about this passage a lot last time. We talked about Philippians 3, 3 through 9, where Paul gives his qualifications like, if you want to have a, a flesh comparison, you know, party, Paul can beat you. Like, he, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was zealous of keeping the law. He was so zealous that he was, you know... Blameless. as touching the righteous, which is in the law, blameless. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he and the... Bill Gillum, the author in the chapter, goes through this passage, and he has 10 points about flesh and i condensed these down because i felt like number one we talked about this last episode and number two um i in my brain it just it didn't need to be so many points but anyway but, but this but this comparison this example is in my opinion extremely critical for people because i think it gives a practical exam example in paul Right. Of what is going on. Right. So so I'll just go through this. So number one, some flesh trips can be very productive performance. Paul could outperform us all. Yeah, you see that in 
Acts 7, Acts 8, Acts 9, where he's persecuting the He's so zealous flock. of his Jewish faith that he's persecuting. And he is producing. He is he is producing like... He thinks he's he th- doing things he, to make God happy. Right. And, and he is doing things, arresting people, hailing them into jail. Yeah. You know, um, etc. So he's right. very productive in his flesh right. in what he thinks he's doing for God. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> he calls him in the book Captain Israel as as Saul. So if you don't know the story of Paul, the Apostle Paul, he his former name was Saul. Right. Um, so as Saul, he was Captain Israel. Um, he was zealous for God in all the wrong ways. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was, you know, um, defending his Jewish faith, you know, and doing what God would want him to do, but it was in all the wrong ways. Um, Paul Saul's motive, he was trying to get his need for love. He wanted to be loved and accepted. Love me if I measure up to certain standards. So... He, Saul's need, personal need to be loved, accepted, and I would guess probably um, admired oh, yeah. by his peers and in, in the, you know, the ranks of the Pharisees and things. Um, you know, it says that he was a young man in Acts 7 when they laid um, their coats down at his feet at the stoning of Stephen. Um, I think it calls him a young man. So I'm sure that he was like wanting to get the approval of the so higher ups. I just preached on this yesterday, Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade men or God? And he says, for if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So he he was clearly doing what he was doing in his former life as Saul, Captain Israel, to please men. Right, and get it's, the recognition. And he says in 1 Timothy 1.13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Mm-hmm. So he is doing it out of his flesh mm-hmm. for the approval of men, mm-hmm. for position, adulation, and power without any understanding. He's doing it ignorantly. He doesn't understand what he's actually doing. Um, so I combined his points five, six, and seven. When Saul got saved and when we get saved, we are immediately associated with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And that's Galatians 2.20 and Romans 6.6. 6, and then Romans 6.3 and 4. Resurrected as Paul, a new creature in Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17. So... When, he, when Saul got saved and he put his faith in Christ, he was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So that's a spiritual thing that happens when you believe. And then he was resurrected as Paul, a new creature in Christ, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. The all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Um so it's an interesting illustration because he was Saul. Then he experiences a counter with Christ on the road to Damascus, and later he be, he his name is changed to Paul. Right, mm-hmm. so it's like you have an example there of his old identity in Saul being crucified and put to death, and him functioning in a new identity in Christ as Paul the Apostle. Yep. So before we go on, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Brian from the Just Grace It podcast. I want to talk to you for a minute about Trust House Publishers. Trust House Publishers is a Christian self-publishing outfit that is devoted to lowering costs and allowing Christian authors to get things in print at relatively low expenses. You can check them out at TrustHousePublishers.com. Just reading briefly from their website, Trust House Press is a publishing source for Bible-based authors like you. Then they talk about the self-publishing scam. Self-publishing is an emperor with no clothes. The major self-publishing companies charge authors exorbitant prices for very little work that an author could accomplish him or herself with no more effort. 
Furthermore, the author is then the victim of upsells for marketing promotional material that is often not worth the cost of the postage. Trust House Publishers Trust House Press plans to make independent publishing available for all Bible-based writers at no cost. And so I've used Trust House Publishers for my most recent book, the Volume 1 of the From This Generation Forever class, and can say that I had a great experience. The layout, the artwork, the way everything was done was uh, excellent. I'm very satisfied with it. And then for small additional fees, you can add features to your book, like having it uh, put in an ebook format, having it sold on Amazon. Um, it's it's really an option that I would encourage you to check out if you're interested in self-publishing or getting some of your material to print if you're interested in doing that. So if I were you, I would go to TrusthousePublishers.com and check out their FAQs, check out their pricing page. And there's also instructions there about how to submit something for publishing. Anyway, I would really encourage you to do this. It's been a great option for me, and I think you'll find it a great option as well. Thanks. Okay, we are back after that brief pause there. Um, so we were talking about Paul um, getting saved and Saul being resurrected as Paul and being a new creature in Christ. So then number eight point that he makes about Paul's story is Paul, as the new spirit man, his spirit is no longer dead, was still in Saul's earth suit, which is what he calls your physical body. And then number nine, the old ways, the old programming for living generated by Saul now became Paul's flesh. And he points out again in the chapter that he believes the flesh resides in the brain. And we have talked in other episodes about how we have, we agree with that yes. um, scenario. We agree with that assessment, I guess is better. So way. Paul on Thursday, encounters Christ on the road to Damascus. Saul encounters Christ on the road to Damascus on Thursday. When he wakes up Friday morning... He's Paul. He's Paul, but he's in Saul's earth suit. His physical body. His physical body with all of the wiring and preconditions and 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 dispositions old, old and ways of doing things and operating and old ways of operating that he had when he was it didn't just go away because now he's saved spiritually and a new creature in christ he's a new creature spiritual creature in an old earth suit yep and his brain i think your your brain is the physical apparatus through which your mind works. Yes. And yes. so your brain still has wiring in it. If It's called neuroplasticity. So your brain is changeable, and that's where the renewing of your mind comes in. But your physical brain still has these pathways, these old ways of doing things. Um, he calls them green highways in the book that that's – like the natural bent, the natural way that you go to do things. So I've illustrated this in the past by using our house and our barn as an example. Mm -hmm. So when we walk out to the barn, we typically walk the same pathway. And it gets worn and down. And it gets worn down and it becomes habit. It becomes ritual. It becomes just the way you do things. Right. But there's another way we could go to the barn. And we can carve out a new pathway, a new way of doing it. And that, to me, is what the renewing of the mind is. Right. It is establishing a new pathway of operation th that's biblically intelligized based on God's word and the life of Christ in you to get that thing still need, you still need to get to the barn. But now you develop a new way of getting to the barn based upon the life of Christ in you and the word of God and not your old way of doing it. Yep. And so when you're following the old pathways, you're walking in the flesh. 
when you follow the new pathway as a new creature in Christ, you're walking in the Spirit. And the more you walk in the Spirit, the more that becomes the new default default pathway yes. to get to the barn. And as you walk that pathway, oh, and you by faith make the choice to do that, you ingrain that now as a new way of operating, and the old way becomes starts to diminish. Right. It's not to say you could never make go the choice that, right. to go that way, because it's still... It's still an option, but it becomes less of a strong option right. the more you walk in the spirit yes. and follow that new pathway. Now that is just an ill that that is an illustration to try to explain what's going on. What is going on inside of you yeah. as you try to, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, so to speak. Yeah. So the number ten was Paul got rid of Saul's got rid of Saul's ways of getting his needs met, performance-based acceptance, and opted for Jesus-based acceptance. And that's referring back to what he talked about, our identity as believers as being made the righteousness of God in Christ. Like, that is our identity. That is who we are. We just don't always act like it. Right. Um, and then... He had some very interesting things to say about perfectionism. Um, let me get there. So it is not, car I'm quoting from the book now on page 39. It's not carnal for a Christian to be perfectionistic, but Paul's motive for developing it was... Was Paul perfectionistic in his approach to godly living? Yes, but he was liberated from using perfectionism as a means of generating self-acceptance. He generated his self-acceptance through setting his mind on who he now was in Christ, acceptable. He then allowed Christ to live his life through Paul using Paul's perfection, perfectionistic goal-oriented traits to bring glory to his name on earth, living out his life of agape love. And I had written in my book, Renewing Your Mind. When, you, when your mind becomes renewed in an area, you are now allowing the life of Christ to live through you. So, put another way, Christ did not change Paul's personality. Right. He redeemed Paul's personality right. to his glory and benefit. Right. So Paul, think about a lot of the things Paul was doing were motivated by good traits. He had drive. He had persistence. He had, you know. He was zealous. He was zealous. And serving the Lord. And so when, when Christ saves him, he doesn't like turn Paul into some mamby-pamby, you know, mealy-mouth wimpy guy. Right. No, he uses, he's able to redeem Paul's personality traits to his glory and benefit. Right. And that's what he's saying here. Right. So, which is a great point because how many times in Christian circles do you hear, I just have I, to die to self. I just have to die to self. I, I can't be me. Anything that's me is bad. So I have to die daily to self. You're, you, that sounds, you're already crucified with Christ. Right. You don't have to keep being crucified. It already was done to you if you believe. But that sounds really religious. Right. Right? Oh, yes. Well, and that phrase dying daily comes from Paul says is talking he talks about I die daily but he wasn't talking about I'm I die to myself daily I you know he that's not what he was talking about in the passage it takes like one little phrase and makes it like this whole doctrine of like how we're supposed to be the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who who loved, loved me, me and gave, gave himself, himself for, for me. me so the issue is what would christ what does christ and paul look like what right. does christ and becky look like what does christ and brian look like 
Christ living his life out through you is going to look different than Christ living his life out through me in the sense that you are a different personality, different abilities, different, you know, yeah. interests go and so forth. I, whereas I am different. So what, what salvation doesn't do is try to override who you are and it's cookie not a, cut your yes, into it's not about a make excuse me, it's not about making a bunch of little Christian robots that all look the same. Right. It's not about that. It's about redeeming your individual personality, makeup, strengths and abilities to the glory of God and using it to further the body of Christ and, you know, the ministry of reconciliation. Well, I think it goes back to Ephesians 2.10 where it says we are his workmanship. If you look up the word workmanship, it's the word poema, it, which is the Greek word for poem. It's, And think about a poem. No two poems are the same. Right. No, It's like you are an ind- individual work of art created by God for good works that he has before ordained that you should walk in these things. So he lives his life through you and then as you go out and live your life and relate to the people around you and work your job or serve in ministry or whatever you do, it's about him doing that stuff through you, through your personality, through your talents, through your, you know, all those things, not making you just like right. your neighbor next door who's also a believer doing the will of god from the heart you're now able to out of the core of who you are do the will of god as an individual as an individual yeah new creature in christ yeah now now if if you can't i mean if that doesn't show you how loved and special and cherished you are by your heavenly father that you are literally his workmanship and he wants you as an individual he just wants to live his life through you i mean that's pretty amazing when you think about it and that's why it's so important that people participate in the local fellowship of believers because when they don't they're withholding from the body of christ from the local fellowship their own personal set of strengths and abilities that would benefit the body of that Christ. They can, yeah, that they can use to, to minister in whatever way that is, that whatever that looks like for them. Right. So... Um, you could easily get off on that. Oh, yeah. But. Well, and someday we'll do an episode on that. But um, my final thing that I had written in my notes was that our struggle, our, the struggle with the flesh is spiritual warfare. And then Ephesians 6 obviously talks about... Um, spiritual warfare and um, the armor of God. But then also in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it talks about bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and how the weapons of our warfare are not carnal through the flesh, but they're mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds. And I think that there's things in each individual person that can be strongholds. Yes. In their in their thinking, in their thought life, and in the way that they choose to go about getting their needs met according to the flesh. And those things can be super, super, there's some things that can be super, super strong. And yep. it's going to take major renewing of the mind in those areas to break those strongholds down. I agree. So that's kind of our... Um, were you going to read the thing about perfection? I did. I read it that It wasn't already. this? Uh-uh. Can we... We're going to talk about this later? About what? Yeah, I didn't... That's as far... I didn't get that far. Okay. And right. So that'll be next time. Well, there's some good stuff coming up. Yes, there is. About there. perfectionism. Yes, so. there is. So if you struggle with perfectionism, you might want to listen to the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's our notes for today. That's our little chat for today. Um, we hope you guys are getting something out of this. I know, so this is what, like your third or fourth time going through this? This is my second time, third time going through this. So yeah. Um, 
every time I go through it more and even now just like really getting into the meat of the book and, and making notes and just kind of putting it in the way that I think um, is really just cementing the truths in me more, you know. Right. Um, and just even when we were just sitting here, I know there's a situation going on for us that there's some a lot of these things that we can apply to the situation. Um, you for know, sure. It's just reminding me of some things. So. For sure. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to, we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to uh, reach out to us, you can email us at Brian. B-R-Y-A-N at JustGraceIt.com. That's Brian at JustGraceIt.com. Or we also have the um, Just Grace It podcast with Brian and Becky Facebook page. Um, I am not very good at posting things down there. And that is one thing that I am determined. (laughs) I'm going to be more active there. So if you guys have questions or comments, you can message us there also or just comment, um, you know, can comment on that page too so if you benefited from this podcast if you would consider liking it leaving a comment sharing Sharing it it. leaving a review for us we would definitely appreciate that so what that does in case you don't know is um, through spotify and apple podcasts the more something is commented on liked reviewed shared um it boosts the algorithms so then it gets they seen by it more gets people. seen by more people so if somebody is listening to you know a similar type podcast it will come up in their recommendations right. that hey if you like this then you might like the disgrace of podcast with brian becky ross and then they might see it and click on it and listen to it so and be um, completely blown away oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if you do that, you know, we always really appreciate it. We appreciate those of you who do share um, on Facebook and just share the episodes or, you know, make comments about it. I'm going to do a shout out to Blake Donaldson because yes. he's been really awesome about um, he's a friend of ours. He goes to our church and he's just been really awesome about sharing the podcast. And I just, you know, shout out to you. Thank you, Blake. for Yeah, doing that. not only the podcast, but just church sermons sermons and Mm -hmm. stuff in general so thanks blake yeah we really appreciate that so all right grace and peace all right bye guys